0: Father, we thank you that as people long awaited the Messiah to come, we now know that you have brought him. God, we pray that you would give us insight into who you are. May we will remember your character and your promises and how you fulfill them. Help us now as we look into your word. Please fill us with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to look at Psalm 89 today, and I have three reasons for choosing this psalm. One is that we're finishing up our psalm series. Every year around this time, we do a psalm series, and the psalms help us look up to God. It's so easy for us to lose our perspective on God, to simply think about us and how things are going for us or our circumstances. But I I like to do this series to remind us to look up to God, to retrain our focus on Him. And then also we've been doing this God with us series. I've been searching throughout the Bible to find all the times where it talks about the blessing of God with us. I've, I've preached several sermons on that now, and Psalm 89 has some language about God with us. But then also, this is an Advent psalm, because this, there are some wonderful things in here about the promises of God in sending our Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, from its context, we can guess that Psalm 89 was probably written during the time when Babylon was exerting its power over Jerusalem, a very sad time in the history of God's people. And for people living in those times, there were two very different and conflicting emotions going on. On the one hand, God had given many promises to his people that they could read about in his word, promises about how he would establish David's throne forever, We can read those promises in 2 Samuel 7. In fact, I have often said, and I'll say it again today, that I think 2 Samuel 7, from our perspective, is perhaps the second most important passage in the Old Testament because it gives us uh, a prophecy about what God would do in fulfilling promises to his people through the line of David. Promises to, to establish that throne forever. Let's read them. 2 Samuel 7. 11b through 13, and and this might be one, you just want to maybe make mental note of this and and remember this passage, because I think it's a really important one in in the history of the Old Testament. It says, The Lord declares to you, to David, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom." He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. You see, David had asked God if he could build a house for God. He wanted to build a temple for him. And God's response was, I'll build a house for you, David. Not a house of stone, but a a house that will last forever with the king to sit on the throne forever. So again, on the one hand, we have these wonderful promises from God. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a promise go unfulfilled? Anybody ever promised to do something for you and they didn't come through on that? We struggled with that a little bit the last few weeks at our house. See, we had promised that we would take our kids to City Bakery. We're we're doing a little reward chart for them right now and if they get a certain number of stickers, they get to go to City Bakery. And a, a couple of our kids filled up their chart and we were going to take them to City Bakery but thing after thing just kept coming up and we couldn't take them there. I think the first one was uh, we went there on, uh, or we were going to go there over Thanksgiving but we remember they were closed that day so we couldn't go. And then we actually got them in the car one day to take them to City Bakery, showed up at City Bakery on a Monday and that's the day that City Bakery is closed so we couldn't do it. And then for like a week sickness just went all throughout our house and we didn't really go anywhere. Um, but finally then, yesterday, Christine got the kids in the car and took them to City Bakery. We had been wanting to fulfill those promises to them for a long time, but it was just really hard for us to do it, but finally we did it. Um, you ever have that where somebody promised to give you something, maybe like a candy bar because you gave an answer in church, and uh, that promise didn't come to fulfillment? Well, um, I apologize if that's ever happened to you, who would ever do such a thing to you? But, Getting back to Psalm 89, on the one hand, they had these wonderful promises from God, but on the other hand, here was the invading armies of Babylon, and they were threatening to carry the people into exile. So what do you do with God's promises to build a kingdom forever when an invading army is threatening to take you away? Well, from the rest of the Bible, we know the reason that God allowed Babylon to invade was because of the sin of God's people. They had turned their backs on God. And as a result, God brought discipline via Babylon. How are the people supposed to view God's promises in light of all that? Well, the same question applies to us. We have a book full of wonderful promises. From God, yet our life experience doesn't always go the way that we want it to go. So, what do we do in those times? Anybody struggling with that at all? You feel like if I'm following God, maybe I deserve some sort of blessing or protection from Him, but I'm not getting it the way that I want to. Uh, there's a, a pastor friend of mine that he's been in a coma all week long and not waking up, and they're hoping for him to wake up. What? It, when things like that come up, or maybe it's just something small in your life. Maybe it's somebody who's not treating you the way that you think they should. Or maybe it's just some nagging feeling that you can't get over. What goes on in your heart when things don't line up for you the way that you expect them to? So well, I want to look at part of Psalm 89 today. It's a long psalm, so we're not going to cover all of it. We'll mostly look at the middle of it. But just to give you the context, the beginning of Psalm 89 reads like a psalm of praise. Hooray! Praise the Lord! You've given us these wonderful promises. But then the the end of Psalm 89 sounds like a lament because then they're looking at the invading armies. And, And there's this question then of how do we view God in the midst of this? His promises on one hand, but circumstances that don't seem to line up on the other hand well we're going to walk through this middle section of Psalm 89 and as we go through it I want to point out three key words or phrases but first let's read Psalm 89 verses 19 through 34 this is the Lord speaking uh, speaking of the Lord once you spoke in a vision to your faithful people you said I have bestowed strength on a warrior I have exalted a young man from among the people I have found David my servant with my sacred oil I have anointed him My hand will sustain him. Surely my arm will strengthen him. No enemy will subject him to tribute. No wicked man will oppress him. I will crush his foes before him and strike down his adversaries. My faithful love will be with him and through my name his horn will be exalted. I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, you are my father, my God, the rock, my savior. I will also appoint him my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. I will maintain my love to him forever, and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure. If his sons forsake my law and do not follow my statutes, if they violate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, I will punish their sin with the rod, their iniquity with flogging. But I will not take my love from him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. OK, in those first few verses, we see how God picked David and set him up as king. In First Samuel 13:14, it says, "The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people." That's what He did for King David. And then getting back to our passage in Psalm 89:20, it says, "I have found David my servant, with my sacred oil, I have anointed him." Now that word "anointed" is the word from which we get our word, Messiah. Okay, did you know that? That's the word Messiah comes from the word anointed. So I've got a pop quiz for you here. Uh, I'm not going to promise any candy bars on this one because we know how that goes sometimes. But uh, Here's the pop quiz. And you can feel free to answer this one out loud if you'd like to. The word Messiah looks ahead to Christ, but specifically, which of his titles does it refer to? Or we could say, does it mainly refer to? Is it A, Savior, B, Lord, or C. King. So the word Messiah, a very important word, does it refer to Jesus as Savior, Lord, or King? Anybody want to give a guess? Savior? Lord? King? Okay, well, alright. Are, are you just reading the choices? <laughs> I already did that. Any final answer? Anybody want to call a friend? Um, <laughs> the answer is, drum roll please, King. That's what the word Messiah, it talks about the anointing, and remember how David was anointed, God told Samuel to anoint him. That word Messiah refers to the anointing of a king when he comes to take his throne. Okay? Um, now that's going to be important as we go throughout here today, but um, that's what God was doing for David, setting him on the throne to uphold him. And that leads us to our first key word that we want to look at today, and our first key word is. Faithfulness. The word shows up in verse 24 where it says, my faithful love will be with him. Now another translation of that verse could be my faithfulness and my love will be with him. So God not only set up David as king, but he also promised to be faithful to him, to protect him, to uh, keep him safe from his adversaries. In verse 25 it implied that David would be king over a large area. And in verses 28 to 29, God's faithfulness is said to extend forever. So, If you were to read all of Psalm 89, you would see that faithfulness is a key word here. In fact, it shows up, I think, eight times overall in Psalm 89. Uh, Let me just read a couple of other ones to you. From verse 8, it says that God's faithfulness surrounds him. In verse 14, his love and faithfulness go before him. And then, like I read in verse 33, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. So that's one side of Psalm 89. God is faithful. But remember, there's this other side of Psalm 89 where they saw the invading armies coming. And there's this lament because of the destruction. So again, what do we do if our life doesn't line up with the picture of what we think it means for God to be faithful? It was a very real question in Psalm 89 and sometimes it's a question for us. Anybody here ever ask the question, why isn't God doing what I think he should do? Now, to answer that, let me say a few words about sin. Uh, starting in verse 30, God told His people that if they were unfaithful to Him, that He would punish them, that even though they are His people, they would have to face discipline if they disobeyed God. You see, sometimes it's our sin that causes us to feel like God is being unfaithful. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that every time something goes wrong in our lives, it's because of our sin. Sometimes there are other reasons, but sometimes it is our sin that makes us have a skewed view of who God is and of his faithfulness. But then let me say something about God that I hope will be encouraging, even in the midst of our sin, is that God is faithful to us, even in the midst of our sin. Verses 30 to 32 remind us of our sin, but God's response comes in verse 33. But I will not take my love from Him, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. Isn't that wonderful? In response to our sin, God is not going to betray His faithfulness the people wondered if God had violated his covenant. The people wondered if all of a sudden now God just was going to throw his promises away. But look at verse 34. God said, I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. If anything, what our sin should cause us to do, instead of causing us to have a wrong view of God, it should help us remember our need for a savior. That, that's what our sin should cry out to us. Yes, there is punishment for our sin, and yes, sometimes we may have to live in the consequences of our sin. I, we all know that, right? That sometimes God allows us to, to dwell in the consequences of our sin. But even so, God is faithful, and he's so faithful that he sent his son to take our punishment. And to, I want you to see this in verse 32. Listen to God's response to sin and his faithfulness. I will punish their sin with the rod, their iniquity with flogging. That same word, flogging, shows up again in the New Testament. Where does it show up? John 19:1. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Our sin is punished. But God's heart's desire is that our sin would be punished in Jesus Christ. That we would not have to bear the full weight of that punishment because we could not bear it. God knew our sin was a bad deal and that it separates us from Him. That's why God sent His Son for us. There was nothing that we could do. We couldn't make it up to God, but what we couldn't do, God did in sending His Son. And because Jesus took our punishment, died on the cross for our sin, and rose again to new life, any of us who put our faith in Him can receive forgiveness and are invited into an eternal relationship with God. That is God's faithfulness to us, even in the midst of our sin. We oftentimes go through difficult circumstances. I want you to know that God is faithful in the midst of them. And sometimes we get a clouded view of God because of our sin. But I, I hope what you've seen from this is that God is faithful. Regardless of your circumstances, God is faithful. Application here. Are you going through a time in which you're questioning God's faithfulness? Perhaps you're going through a spiritual valley or a dry time. Or sometimes we talk about it like it's a, it's a road with ups and downs. Uh, maybe you're in one of those dry times right now and maybe you've asked those questions about why, God? Why are you treating me like this? Why are you not treating me better? We face a bunch of problems in life and you know what? God allows us to face them. But what's going to happen to your faith? And specifically, are you going to remember that God is faithful in the midst of whatever we go through? And one of the things that should help us remember that God is faithful is if we remember to retrain our eyes on Jesus Christ. The the stuff of life will not make sense unless we remember Jesus in the midst of it. And, and I would have liked to have said that to these people in Psalm 89 as they were struggling to figure this out about here's God's promises on one hand, but here's the invading armies on the other hand. I would have liked to have reminded them of the promises that God had made to rescue his people and to be with them forever. And I hope that we remember that when we go through difficult times. But that leads me to the second key word, which is Forever. God isn't just faithful at times. He is faithful forever. The word forever shows up a bunch of times in Psalm 89. I didn't even count them because there were so many of them. Uh, from the middle of Psalm 89 that we read, we saw it in verses 28 and 29, which say, I will maintain my love to him forever. My covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne as long as the heavens endure. Now again, these promises come from Second Samuel 7, that promise where God said that he would Put somebody on the throne of David forever. And there, there's something very obvious about those promises. That they couldn't just be fulfilled in King David. Okay, the Apostle Peter shows us this very obviously in Acts 2. He, he did a little bit of Captain Obvious impersonation there. And, and he said to the people, quoting these promises about God and a, about the, the forever throne, Peter said, David died. And his tomb is here to this day. It's it like Peter saying, um, we could take a quick field trip if you wanted and we can go look at David's tomb because he died. He's not, he's not sitting on his throne anymore. In the next verse then, uh, Peter talked about the resurrection of Jesus as well. So he, he's, Peter was trying to get this point across. These promises... They were given to David, but they outlived David. Unless you think that they were just for his son Solomon, because remember how we got into those promises? David asked God if he could build him a temple, and God said, No, somebody, you're, I'm going to build a house for you. It's going to be about your son who's going to sit on the throne. Well, maybe the people thought it was Solomon, because Solomon was the son of David. Solomon sat on the throne. Solomon built a temple for God, but you know what else happened to Solomon? He died. These promises outlive David. They outlive Solomon. There needs to be somebody else who can sit on that throne forever. And when it talks about in verse 29, I will establish his line forever, the word line there is literally the word seed. It's the word that oftentimes refers to Jesus. It's talking about the descendant. Again, Acts 2, Peter went on to say that uh, Jesus rose again. And then in Acts 2, 36, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Talking about these forever promises given to David, and they're given to Jesus Christ. Now, another pop quiz for you. What does the word Christ mean? Who knows this one? Anybody shout it out. Messiah. There you go. And what does Messiah have to do with? king so okay I'll put this up yeah you got the right answer Messiah Christ means Messiah so when Peter said God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ he's talking about these, the fulfillment of Second Samuel 7 when God said there will be a forever king to reign forever it's Jesus Christ these promises could only find their fulfillment in someone greater than David in his descendant in his seed, Jesus Christ. So the forever language of Psalm 89 was meant to get the people to look into the future for the one who would come, for the one who would reign forever, that even though they were going through a difficult time, a time of punishment, that God would not violate his covenant, that he would bring about his forever king just like he promised. That's why people were so interested in Jesus' time in asking him, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Are you the one that we were supposed to look forward to? Because for hundreds and hundreds of years, people were looking forward to that king. And now we know it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is, from the line of David, on the throne forever as king. But again, this language of Psalm 89, it couldn't just be about David. In verse 27, where it talks about the king being the firstborn, we're supposed to look back now and see that fulfillment in Jesus. And in that same verse where it says that he will be the most exalted of the kings of the earth, we're supposed to look back and see Jesus. Revelation 1.5 picks up on both of those words. It says, Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. And then the next verse, uh, another verse revelation 19:16 talking about jesus says on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written king of kings and lord of lords god has made jesus king of kings and lord of lords and like i said earlier god makes and keeps his promises he doesn't just make promises and then not fulfill them like some pastor who doesn't give you a candy bar. He fulfills all of his promises. And if you're really bitter about the candy bar, I'll give, you, I'll give one to you. You can come to me for that. But God has made these promises and they last forever. And if we are in Christ, we get in on these promises as well. That's one of the amazing things. These promises aren't just for David and these promises aren't even just for Jesus. They're for us too if we are in Christ. In the New Testament, we are called co-heirs with Christ and we are called his brothers. And it means that we get in on his inheritance. So when it says in verse 24, my faithful love will be with him, we get in on that too. And that leads me to my third and final key phrase, with him. This phrase shows up in our passage twice in the original Hebrew. Our translations get it right in verse 24 where they say my faithful love will be with him. Uh, But it also occurs in verse 21, and you could translate verse 21 to say, My hand will remain with him. So in those verses, we see God's promise that his hand, his faithfulness, and his love will be with the king. Now think about that for King David. King David needed a lot of help throughout his life. Think about all the enemies that came against King David. But then think about how God was with him in the midst of that, and protected him and sustained him we looked at Psalm 23 last Sunday a psalm written by King David and in verse 4 there he said even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me you see David learned to rest on the blessing of God with us so that even as he walked through the valley of the shadow of death he could say it's okay don't worry about me God is with me here and then David knew that it wasn't just for him, but for all God's people. In another psalm that he wrote, in Psalm one hundred three seventeen, it says, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. So again, the promises of Psalm 89 aren't just for us, they aren't even just for Jesus, excuse me, they aren't just for David, they aren't just for Jesus, they're for us too. Whether we live in a time of blessing or punishment, we can trust that God is with us because of Christ. In Psalm 89, the people began to question that. In fact, near the end of Psalm 89, in verse 49, it says, O Lord, where is your former great love, which in your faithfulness you swore to David? Do you hear what they're asking there? They're basically saying to God, Hey God, uh, you made all these great promises, we've read them, we've heard them, but have you seen what's happening to us now? Where's your love for us? And again, I would have loved to be able to go back into Psalm 89 and to tell the people there, God has given you his promises and he will keep them. Yes, you may be enduring some consequence of your sin for a time, but please know that God still has a plan to send his forever king. And that we all can get in on those blessings if we live by faith. Because the truth is that God's heart's desire is to be with his people. I've been saying for several months now that the biggest blessing that we can have is the blessing of God with us. Because if God is with us, like I said last Sunday, we have all we need. <clears throat> what could we ever go through that would cause us to stumble or fall if we truly recognized that God was with us? What could we go through that could truly shake us off of our foundation? If our foundation is Jesus Christ and if we're living our life by faith with Him what could truly shake us? What could be strong enough to take that foundation away? If God is with us we have everything that we need. In Psalm 89, the people struggled to understand God's character. They knew that God had blessed David and Solomon, but they questioned whether they had slipped away from God's blessing. But the truth is, they were just facing a form of punishment due to their own sin. But even in that, even in their sin, God's promises stood firm, and he would not violate his covenant. They just needed to remember the promise of God's coming Messiah, who would bring all these promises to fulfillment. So things didn't make sense for them. They questioned God's faithfulness. But we now have the privilege of being able to look back through the lens of Jesus and to remember, it's okay. God is with us. And if God is with us, we have all that we need. And in that view, for our lives, whatever we go through, everything can make sense for us. We, we Let me say it this way. We still may question what God is doing. We may wonder why God acts one way and not another way. We may wonder why it seems like God doesn't act it sometimes. But if we remember that God is with us, that solves everything. Sin has been punished. Sin no longer needs to stand in our way. And amazingly, sin was punished in Jesus Christ. He took our flogging. He took our punishment. He did that so that we could live with God forever. you see that the blessing of God with us is intended by God to be this forever blessing, now in our current relationship with Him and in heaven forever with Him. God wants us to know that sure blessing, so He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who has given the name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Now, I want to conclude by taking a look at our lives in 2015. We've been looking at Psalm 89, and we've been seeing how they struggle. They held God's promises in one hand, but they looked at the invading armies on the other hand, and they they really struggled. I mean, if you read the end of Psalm 89, it's not very positive. It does end with, praise be to the Lord forever, amen and amen, Uh, but it almost looks like they had to, you know convince themselves to say it that way they were really struggling with the current events that they saw going on and I just want to ask you are you struggling with anything like that now are you going through a time where life doesn't feel like it's going the way that you want it to maybe you're experiencing some of the unpleasant consequences of sin and if that's the case whose fault is that I, just, I, I hope that we're mature enough to realize that if we are facing the consequences of sin, that it's not God's fault. And, and even if we may have to live with some of those consequences the rest of our lives, we can know that God's desire is still to be with us. That He can forgive us and cleanse us. And He's given us the promise of one day He'll make everything new. But until then, we know that even even though we have sinned, that he desires to be with us forever. Or maybe it's somebody else's sin that's causing you a problem, and and maybe you can do nothing about that. But we still need not be shaken, because we know that even in the midst of that, God will be with us. Or maybe, and I hope this is true for many, if not all of you, maybe things are going really well right now, Maybe it's really easy for you to rejoice in the blessing of God with us because you've already met with Him today and yesterday and the day before. That's, that's the way that it should be. But whatever your current circumstances, are you at a point in life right now where you're trusting in God's faithful love? Do you know that His promises will come to certain fulfillment? Do you trust that He'll be faithful Forever? And do you know that his heart's desire is to be with you? Again, that's why he sent his son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God, with us. We are not left alone in life. It might feel like it at times. Anybody ever felt like you've been left alone by God? Well, in those times, I want you to trust in our God who is faithful forever and I want you to trust in our God who wants to be with us forever. Would you pray with me? Father, help us to remember these things. We, we all go through times where we struggle, where we lose our focus on you, where we even question your faithfulness or your love. But God, help us to remember that you are faithful forever and that your heart's desire is to be with us forever. We thank you that you sent Jesus, that our sin could be taken care of, uh, punished and dealt with, that we might be cleansed, that we can be with you forever. God, we thank you for what you've done. Help us now to live in the blessing of that by remembering that you are our faithful God, that you have always been faithful, and you will always be faithful forever. And God, help us to live day by day, even moment by moment, in the blessing of God with us. We thank you that you send the Holy Spirit to live in us, to strengthen us, to fill us so that we can walk with you. God, we thank you that everything has been done so that we might live with you forever. God, we praise you, our faithful God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.